CG Media presents High Tech Sunday. On today's episode of High Tech Sunday, our hosts, Dr. Mark Vaughn and Lango Dean, sit down with the manager of the Engineering Leadership Development Program for Lockheed Martin Corporation, Carissa Diggs, for a conversation on career navigation. Up first is Corning Incorporated's manager of technical talent pipelining, Dr. Mark Vaughn. Next is Career Communication Group's senior technology editor, Lango Dean. Finally, our esteemed guest, Carissa Diggs. In her role as manager of Lockheed Martin's engineering leadership development program, Diggs helps to create avenues for students and early career individuals to gain the experience and exposure necessary to prepare for future technical leadership roles. Along with her corporate position, Carissa also runs the Dig Your Career vlog, which provides career insight tips to collegiate and early career professionals. And without further delay, High Tech Sunday, featuring Dr. Mark Vaughn and Lango Dean. Well, thank you so much for that introduction, Brandon, and uh, good afternoon once again, everyone, to High Tech Sunday. We welcome you, and we have another great episode that's coming your way today and excited about it because of the fact that it really continues in the vein of uh, the conversations that we've had over the course of almost nine months now. First, let me welcome our guest for today, Carissa Diggs. Hey there, how are you? Hi, Dr. Vaughn. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing fine, thank you. And we um, often hear on news broadcasts when uh, you have something like, let's say, Good Morning America reporting on uh, something from Disney. They'll say, full disclosure, uh, Disney is the parent company of Good Morning America, ABC News. Well, in this episode, I literally am the parent company. Uh, Full disclosure, Carissa Diggs used to be Carissa Vaughn until she got married about eight years ago. So this is my daughter. And we are certainly glad to have another first here on High Tech Sunday. Uh, You were promised, Carissa, before we got going that there would be no curveballs. Just remember, I didn't make that promise, okay? (laughs) So so with that in mind, with that in mind, uh, let's jump in. Really excited about learning more about your video log, uh, Dig Your Career. It's a cute play on your last name, but we really do enjoy the first segment of our broadcasts where we get a chance to know a little bit more about each of our guests. And so if you had to get your elevator speech ready, but it was all about who you are, how would you answer the question, just who is Carissa Diggs? Well, thank you again, uh, Dr. Vaughn, for having me here today and and, uh, your communications group. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, So who is Carissa Diggs? Well, that is a great question that um, has definitely evolved over the course of almost 30 years of my life and more specifically over the last seven of my professional career. So I would say Carissa is one who strives to see the best in others, wants to pull out those gifts and those talents in others. In my profession, I'm an engineer, and and as stated in the introduction, I serve in the capacity as a manager for a uh, leadership development program, which 
mostly uh, helps to pull out and to help develop those leadership characteristics for the folks that I support. But aside from my profession, I think in general, from the things that I do at work to what I volunteer and do, um, you know, ministry-wise through my volunteer activities, I strive to pull and captivate what makes people tick so that they can go out and be better individuals for our communities. One thing that I, I'm told frequently is just uh, my interaction with people. And I think when you care about people and what means most to them and, and understanding them, that that helps motivates and drives them to want to do better or to work harder, I've seen, or um, just navigating through all the different aspects of life. So that's that's kind of what I use as my foundation. Know, for those that don't know, I am faith-based, so I can say, you know, Christ is the center um, <laughs> if we want to get churchy. But uh, I try to strive to, you know, do the simple things as treat others as, as, you know, I would like to be treated not only as a person, but as a leader, as an engineer, as a, a woman, as a mother, uh, the list goes on. Um, so I really try to focus on people, if that helps. I know that wow. that probably was a little bit different or more than the elevator pitch, but <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a long elevator, but we got it. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and so you said a lot that that um, really kind of resonates, I believe, with the High Tech Sunday audience. Actually, uh, we've had astronauts, we've had scientists, we've had black engineers of the year, we've had women of color, uh, technologists of the year, and I think a common thread through all of the different guests we've had, including now you, uh, is this uh, either pay it forward or giving back. The idea of, uh, it's more than just altruism. It's this real commitment to doing what you can to leverage your gifts, skills, and talents to help others. And so that was really uh, a, a great way to share with us who makes, you, what makes you tick. Uh, so you said a few things that I want to kind of drill down on, actually. Uh, so your, your career path, but also what it is that drives your passion, your mission, what motivates you to do what you do on the daily. So let's first talk about your decision to pursue a, a STEM career path. You said that you're an engineer by training. When did you know uh, that STEM was the direction for you? Um, I would say probably sophomore or junior year in high school. Um, so growing up, as you may know, <laughs> Dr. Vaughn, uh, taking a the take your kid to work day uh, and just going and seeing, wow, this is the cool, cool things that you guys can do, such as making ice cream out of, uh, you know, the weird products at that time or, you know, just uh, seeing the cafeteria. Those things definitely made a difference um, in having the exposure to uh, a STEM and then this particular case, an engineering path. I will say selfishly, I, I did think about what's going to be beneficial in the long term as well. I knew I was not great at English or, you know, those types of fields or children, you know, God bless all the teachers that are going through, uh, especially in this pandemic. So I, I knew that wasn't where I was going to line up in. So I explored engineering. I am an avid music lover, so I was trying to merge the two 
and essentially landed on electrical engineering because I thought that would be a, a, a nice balance between the music recording path and the actual sustainment to make sure I'm having a comfortable lifestyle uh, path. Um, so I would say that that is where it hit home. I would say I really didn't feel settled in engineering until I got I guess, well-versed in my internships in college. So it was kind of like, hey, I'm on this path, but I didn't really know fully and understand until I actually had more hands-on. So my internships actually kind of cultivated that. And I would say even when I got into my professional career with Lockheed Martin, even now I'm still kind of navigating and shaping. Uh, the, the more I'm involved, I would say, I'm still involved in engineering, but I'm less hands-on. I was probably when I first started, but um, yeah, I think it's 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 shifted a little bit over time. And that's really something that again we we hear often. There's kind of this evolution uh, that you're describing, uh, and it's also always really interesting to hear uh, somehow. Uh, about the different ways that people landed on their pathway. Uh, there are some folks who have said that I was somebody who tinkered and tore things apart and tried to put them back together like for as long as I can remember. And then others have said I got turned on to STEM uh, by happenstance. Somebody just said you ought to be an engineer, you're good at this or that. Uh, and you got exposed uh, by visiting a workplace and getting turned on that way. Uh, but it was also a lot lot of other experiences that I'm sure that you and Langle uh, will dig into uh, later on in the broadcast. But let me let me ask you something else. You uh, indicated uh, again about this paying it forward, this pulling out of other people, the richness that is in them. So, so you talked about your spirituality uh, and that you are faith-based and Christ-centered, uh, but how does that actually translate into your motivation, your mission? What is it that is your passion, would you say? Yeah, no, that's a good question. And my passion is to close that gap, to uh, see others succeed, particularly people of color being a black woman. I would say the paying it forward, you know, selfishly, right? When you get into school, you're kind of like, I'm trying to navigate and figure out, I'm trying to get a job. I'm trying to, you know, handle what I need to do. But then you realize the community of folks that helped you get where you are. Realize whether it be uh, a family members, whether it be someone that helped you get into that internship when you shouldn't have been qualified, or helped you get into that grad school program when you know you didn't think you was had the package all together. And so when you have those milestones, whether it be completing another semester or graduating from school, if you truly sit back and reflect, like this wasn't all me. <laughs> and, and I want to be that community of people, even if it's just in part for a, a, a second in time, to be able to help someone build on their resume so that they can get that job, make that phone call to, to advocate for them or, you know, give them tips and enlighten them so that, you know, hopefully, and it's not to say that, you know, that They'll, I'll even be thought of when they get to there. But I, I take satisfaction in, as, you know, I helped have another young person of color or older person of color, you know, obtain their goals and their dreams and that they in turn are having that reaction. So I would say it, it really came from like intros, 
introspection or, you know, looking and, and observing how did I get here? Because, you know, how I got here, I honestly would not have thought about when I walked on campus um, as a freshman that I would be sitting where I'm at currently. So I just want others to, to feel the same. Well, very good. I think that what you're uh, indicating again is uh, exactly what you've described. You're, you're, you've been introspective about the fact that uh, the journey has been informed and aided uh, by a community. And so you you left off saying that you would not be where you are or you couldn't have imagined being where you are back when you first started uh, your undergraduate program. So let's talk about where you are digging your career. So you are a manager of the engineering leadership development program uh, at Lockheed Martin. I believe that you're also an alumni of that program. So how cool is it that you are now a manager in that same program? So tell us a little bit about your role and responsibilities. Yeah. So, um, I can't share too much, otherwise I'd have to, you know, no, I'm joking. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, the Engineering Leadership Development Program is one of several uh, leadership programs that Lockheed Martin holds specifically um, in this particular case to develop and nurture uh, the engineering uh, leadership talent pipeline uh, for early career professionals. So about that zero to three year time frame. And what we do, uh, or what I do as the manager, but the program uh, supports technical development curriculum. So again, how does that engineering that you've learned in undergrad or a grad school, is how is that applicable to our programs, right? And how can we go the next step further? How can you be successful in uh, navigating through teams, managing teams if, in some situations, understanding our current technologies and things of that nature? So we do. Uh, have a partnership with the university as well as some of our subject matter experts inside the company that we um, partner with to uh, help our uh, ELVPs during those courses. In addition, we have what we call leadership development conferences. So we want our uh, engineers to be well-rounded. So we want them to know about finances. We want them to know about business aspects. We want them to engage with our leaders. So, you you know, whether they be our executive leaders like Stephanie Hill or, you know, someone who's a senior manager or, you know, any someone like me, <laughs> they don't have to be, you know, super high ranked, but gleaning insight from them from their leadership careers as well. So something that we strive for is part of the responsibilities. Uh, and then also we have the graduate classes component. So after they finish the technical development curriculum, uh, they do have the opportunity to get a, a master's degree if they don't already have one. So that's part of the program. And then also they do rotations. So uh, they have about three to four rotations during the three-year program. Uh, so they can try just about anything within the engineering discipline just to get them to be more well-rounded. Uh, so that's that's pretty what, much what I do is kind of help navigate and steer and making sure that they're accomplishing those goals. Awesome. And it, and it sounds like it's so comprehensive and a, a great way to continue to shore up that talent pipeline once people get their foot in the door. So we talked about curveballs earlier on. So here's a kind of a curveball. Uh, you talk about your blog, Dig Your Career. Well, got to ask you the question, would you say that you dig your career? 
Absolutely. I tell folks, don't tell Lockheed Martin that because I want to, you know, <laughs> I don't want them to think I got, they got me all locked for the next 30 years. But I really do. <laughs> I really do enjoy not just my place of employment, but the work that I do, right? Well, tell us about that. What do you love most about your job? I love really so, as I might have mentioned before, the people. Um, I feel that I can go to my leaders. I can feel like I can go to my counterparts to share, you know, what's on my heart, how I want to grow. And they have just been not only my champions, but also um, uh, facilitating in that growth itself. And that has played a huge aspect, um, at least over the last three to four years of my career. Um, so the people have, have been huge. Even the people I support now on my team, the ELDPs, especially in this virtual environment, coming into my new role as a manager and not having seen most of them face to face, um, they have been just so supportive. They've been, you know, just willing and eager to, um, you know, how to change and how to adapt in this mindset from not just a company perspective, but how we engage with people. So that is something that I definitely admire. I feel challenged every day, uh, every time I come in. Aside from my management responsibilities, I do support a technical program for a small chunk of time. But I feel challenged. I feel um, that I'm contributing. And I feel valued as an as a, um, employee. And so that's why I enjoy what I do. I'm not saying that there are those days where I need to go and take a nap and take a rest, <laughs> but I would say I am satisfied to where, you know, I'm, I'm not looking. I mean, I am constantly, you know, thinking about what's next. You know, you have to be able to explain that when you're asked, but I'm happy and I'm digging my career. <laughs> Great answer. And I think Lockheed Martin would uh, would love to hear that and they wouldn't take advantage of you in the process. But um, uh, as you know, uh, your, uh, your, your uh, testimony, unfortunately, isn't shared by everybody across all generations. You do come across people who really aren't digging their career. And so we know that you created this entire organizational focus to help provide a solution to that very issue. But what would you say in your experience, uh, have you found that people tend to be dissatisfied with their current careers? That is a great question. And, and to your point, I, I do recognize that. And that's why I'm like, okay, you know, just because I've had these positive experience, how can I, I help bridge that to make sure that others can feel the excitement that I feel every time that I log in? And so I would say, uh, at least for the folks that I've spoken with and have worked with, it's wanting to be seen and wanting to be heard. Like, I want that opportunity to take on this assignment. I want this opportunity to do a certain job or to try a certain role, or I'm not feeling like my team is understanding me or uh, getting me. Uh, so, you know, I think communication, uh, some people may not have communicated that to their leadership, or maybe there's a disconnect between, you know, they have communicated that and maybe what is being received. I feel like perception um, comes into play as well. Uh, and, and and just to, to piggyback, this is why I think more, and, and I say people of color because that's 
something I'm passionate about should be in leadership positions because there are a lot of conversations that happen as far as like planning uh, development wise, who are, who's like the succession planning um, and to be kind of like that voice, right. To kind of, um, so, you know, and again, not, not putting anyone down, but if a white counterpart comes and tells a black um, you know, young man, young lady, one thing, they may not be speaking the same language to where like that individual feels that they're being heard. Um, but if, you know, someone that they identify with, that they recognize, that they kind of reverence, or you get what I'm saying, like, that can kind mm -hmm. of say, hey, this is where they're getting at. And here's where you can develop, it kind of sets off that light bulb. And having that advocate and that champion, like, hey, yes, we know that you, you need to work on X, Y, and Z. I'm going to sign on to, to support you. You, I'm going to back you. So then it's a, you know, that risk, like you better not show me up type of thing. So I think the common thing is just being, wanting to be seen, feeling like they're heard um, and how to, how to bridge that communication gap between them and their teams has been the common uh, trend. Very good. And, and so it sounds like uh, with these, uh, you, you use the, the idea of a gap that needs to be bridged. Uh, and, I, and I think that that analogy is a powerful one. A little while ago, when you were speaking about your own career journey and development, you used a really important and provocative word that I want to kind of zero back on. You said navigate, that you had to navigate and you've had help navigating. So let's talk about career navigation. Why is it that navigating your career is so important? It's your responsibility. And what kinds of things do you need to know as you're trying to do this thing called career navigation? Absolutely. Yeah. Career navigation is huge. And as you stated, it is on the person to take ownership. Many people think you know, my boss or my teammate isn't recognizing me. It's like, well, did you speak up? Did you, you know, talk to different ones? Like, are you just sitting there and waiting? Um, and I think there's status of those that speak up that go after. Now, you you know, you have to have balance. You don't want to be aggressive or think that, you know, you're the end all be all right. But making your making your desires known in, in a healthy manner, I think is something that's needed. Also to kind of understand, you know, where is it that you see yourself going? And if you don't really know and fully understand, identifying with people or mentors that can help shape that. Because a lot of times you may not, and I'm saying you as the general, you, you may not see it in yourself, but someone could recognize something in you and say, hey, I'm going to, you know, recommend because I think you would be awesome fit for this or, you know, I'm going to connect you to X, Y, and Z person because this is what I see. So I think being able to engage and even share at least if you have a glimmer of what you think even if it's three or four things uh connecting with those folks one thing that i try to strive for when working you know in my with the eldps i support is hey you know let me connect you with an engineering program manager or a lead and the software group just to get you know one a connection but for you to understand kind of what type of information you have to gather over the course of the next couple years, types of experiences, so you can kind of start developing those plans. I also share that even though you have this plan for how you're gonna navigate, to leave room for it to change. It's 
known that there are certain things that you may want to do. Like there's there's no compromises. Um, you you want to you know have this certain thing. That's okay, but you also want to, in, in my opinion, want to leave room for that that flexibility because um, you never know especially with Lockheed with working contracts contracts can come and go contracts can be stopped contracts can be started or pop up out the blue um, so just being flexible because you, you just don't know and that could be your, your opportunity that you just didn't even have on that path so I think having that rough idea of where you're going and if you don't know connecting with mentors and um, those that can help you figure that out and put that into more of a clear perspective will allow for you to attack your career um, so that you can hopefully dig it <laughs> okay that, that that was a great plug that was a great plug um, but but again, uh, that word is powerful. You said attack your career. And when you think about, when I think about attacking, it's intentional, it's focused, it's deliberate. And so it's not just it happened. Uh, you know, it, there is something to be said for serendipity. But I think that what you've just indicated is it's a lot more purposeful uh, than anything else. So let, let's keep talking about uh, your organization. Uh, you were interested in starting Dig Your Career because you wanted to help. You said that early on, that you that you wanted to assist people uh, in that way. And so uh, just tell us a little bit more about uh, your organization and how you help, what areas you tend to focus on with your blog and your videos? Great question. So back in uh, 2019 at a Nesby conference, gave a presentation and it dawned on me, you know, just not from the feedback that I got after my session, but also just that experience and how, you know, people, and it's not like I, it wasn't something I, I, I wasn't doing, but it just was like, hey, let me kind of make this more official in essence, right? And, and more uh, purposeful and impactful versus kind of these one-offs. So, what I do is I, I strive again, looking at that early career collegiate level of, you know, how to put together a resume, well, how to stand out in um, career fairs. Specifically, I, I put one on the blog recently about virtual career fairs, right? Given our pandemic. Um, interviews, um, touched on a little bit on that. I've done um, tips to maximize your internships. And that's just through, you know, lessons learned of myself, um, through my internships, things I didn't really, I feel like, take it, have taken advantage of uh, when I was going through that process, but also now being on this end, how things are viewed, right? And again, wanting someone else to be successful and, and to take full advantage of all of that. You know, how to uh, um, speak up and, and, and share what you want in a way that your leadership is able to understand, right? It's respectful because you, you definitely, how you approach things I think is, is very huge. And then I've talked about topics that can be a little bit controversial, such as hair in the workplace. As you can see, I have my little turban on today, but I knew who I was sitting with. Um, and also uh, I talk about, um, you know, being a token black or called a token black. Um, so touching on those just to um, put it out there and make a sense of community. Um, some services that I do offer is, you know, resume prep, uh, interview prep, and, you know, just how to kind of plan career navigation. So I get questions um, and, and comments of that like. So just really wanting, wanting 
you know, if they want to pick, pick brain, pick my brain on topics, just wanting to be available and here to support. So you mentioned something pretty provocative as you were giving us the uh, kind of the landscape of uh, dig your career. Uh, and, and I use provocative in, a, in an intentional manner. You said tokenism. Uh, you said one of the areas that you delve into uh, is this idea of toxicity in the culture resulting from or being realized as this token black. So define what you mean by toxic culture uh, and then I want to I want to also talk about this idea of being the token black. So what is a toxic culture? It, it sounds like it's a bad thing. Yeah, so what I what I mean by toxic culture is when you have these stereotypes or notions that tend to go on years, you know, um, you start believe that it starts to get passed down to gener you know, generations. And, and I'll, I'll share a story with when I touch on tokenism. Well, I'll share it now. So one of the things about the toxic culture is when I was interviewing for Lockheed Martin, there was me and another young black woman. And we both wound up getting the job and we both being minorities in a, you know, in, in a, uh, be minorities <laughs> at the site we were working at uh, bonded and we were also in the eldp so we kind of me and, and and the her and another young lady we kind of stuck together and we actually had a transparent conversation of how we looked at each other as competition during that interview mm. right mm. when we both got the job we both not only got the job but got into the leadership program you know what i mean but because our mentality was there can only be one right there can only be mm one black woman there can be only be one woman whatever that notion is um whatever box you fit in and so that's the culture of you know i'm gonna get mine before i'm gonna get your, you you know you get yours type and so that's the toxic nature that some of these things you know historically have brought you know i know companies have advanced and are doing much much better to make sure that they're hiring diverse into employment because diversity is is definitely what betters teams right uh, however a lot of that has been instilled from uh, you know just generations um, whether it be family whether it be mentors whether you know that kind of notion or what you see and what you digest right so that's what I kind of mean with the the toxic culture and how that can seep in to people's thinking Wow and so I think that we could probably drill down on those two topics for another whole hour, uh, but it was really interesting, something that you said. You, you mentioned your experience uh, regarding uh, this idea of the token Black and how it is that you and other young Black women who were candidates not only clearly for uh, whatever the engineering position was, but you were identified as leaders by the company, but your mindsets were kind of bought into this idea of there's only room for one. I've been having conversations about this idea of scarcity, that somehow uh, there's not enough to go around, if you will, so that if, if one group is to advance, that means that another group has to be suppressed. And, and of course, that's not the case. And so it's interesting that the idea of tokenism uh, was something that you 
kind of brought with you prepared that if there's going to just be one, I need to make sure it's me. And I just found that fascinating. Um, and so as you are thinking about how it is that you've moved through school, your undergraduate program, and then your graduate program, all kinds of, of streams of guidance and information are sometimes needed in order for you to navigate that appropriately. So if we have time, I want to uh, jump into that a little bit more. Uh, but first, I am going to hand things over to my co-host, Lango Dean, who's going to talk a little bit about career and pipeline. Hey, Lango, how are you doing? Very well, Dr. Vaughn. It's International Women's Day, as you know, today. So yes. It's a very special day for me and for many women all around the world. You're listening to High Tech Sunday, featuring Dr. Mark Vaughn, Lango Dean, and our special guest, manager of the Engineering Leadership Development Program for Lockheed Martin Corporation, Carissa Diggs. Now, back to the show. Big welcome to Carissa. It's lovely to have you here on such a, on such a big day. I just want to go back to something that Dr. Vaughn said before we start talking about your academic journey. And the words were, a journey has been informed and aided by community. And uh, there was just something real special about, about the way he put that. And something else that you said as well, gleaning things from leaders, leaders in your path and that help you navigate and shape. Which brings me to, to my question, and I know you talked about that. You said as a sophomore in high school, you enjoyed the exposure to STEM and engineering through take your, your child to work day through your father, who's an engineer himself, uh, and that way you started exploring engineering. But what struck me more was that we have had one other engineer on the show who did a bachelor's degree in music before he went on to do an aeronautical engineering degree. So I wanted to make that connection now between that music recording path and electrical engineering that you've talked about. I just want to understand why you chose EE versus all those other engineering disciplines and how music comes into it. Yeah. Um, so initially I, I broke it down to, um, so in, in this particular case, I went, went to Hampton University and they had a music recording technology program that had a minor in electrical engineering. Uh, and I had one of my, my mentors at the time, AKA my father, um, you know, if you're gonna get a minor, why not just get, you know, a ma major in it and then you can always, you know, minor in music or something of that nature. It, it made sense to me at the time. And it's still, you know, I, I'm still grateful because I look at a lot of, music, whether it's, you know, strictly music majors or music recording technology, and you have to have an extreme amount of passion and drive because it's not one of those clear cut type of industries. Um, just being connected to the few few folks that I am that that really have made a, a career and living off of that. And, you know, again, having some, you know, thoughts, I'm like, I don't think that would have been uh, sustainable for me, right? Uh, and, and what I want to do looking back on it now. Uh, so engineering was the path that I chose. But however, 
I did get a band, a full-time, well, not full-time, but a, a large chunk of my schooling paid for because I was in band, even in college. So I do think there's that correlation between the technical, the STEM realm and also like the art so you know to have that understanding of how to play the measures and in counting and um you know down south they have the different types of uh field shows and you have to count and, and step and know when to turn know when to pop lock and drop it like all that type of stuff so i definitely think those two worked well in sync i definitely still enjoy music i definitely still you know around with beats and involved with singing at my church here from time to time so uh, still a huge aspect but I determined that that wasn't my my main focus as far as a career aspect but definitely something that cultivated uh, to where I am today for sure that's wonderful I like the the way you sort of like highlight uh, the way math is used in music um, because we don't often think about that but there's a lot of math in music. And um, so I'm, I'm, really, I'm really glad that you, you, the way you brought that to the fore. So what was your favorite engineering class? Because you had music on the one hand, and then you had this leaning toward electrical engineering. What was your favorite class at Hampton University and why? I would say circuits one and two was my favorite. I really feel like it clicked, but I also think it was my professor, Dr. Nare, uh, shout out to him uh, and, and all of the staff at Hampton University in the uh, engineering department. But he was one that was able to not only break it down, but I feel like he cared about each and every one of us. Engineering was a small class. I was one out of 12 people that graduated uh, in 2013. And having that personal touch definitely, I think, made a difference. I was one, as I'm sure many have been told, of um, there was a, I think it was a calculus class. And I actually had a professor tell me, hey, you might want to revisit this engineering thing. And that just gave me a more motivation. But some people don't have those professors to kind of uh, help mentor or tutor them through something, uh, especially at these, you know, my opinion, larger universities where you're like one of a hundred in a class, right? Um, so circuits one and two was something that clicked, made sense. Um, and for those times where I wasn't really jiving, um, definitely my professor, him being there and just supportive um, and affirming those things in me to, to push me through definitely was a, a big motivation. That's wonderful. Um, you've mentioned Hampton University, your alma mater, a couple of times. And for those who don't know, um, Hampton University is one of the uh, historically black colleges and universities that has an ABET accredited engineering school. And uh, US Black Engineer Magazine and the Bay of STEM Conference work uh, very closely with all 15 of those ABET accredited schools. So what would you say is one of the best parts about attending an HBCU? If I could do it again, I would attend another HBCU. All of, I, I would attend HBCU all day. Actually, I'm going to be convincing my son and <laughs> he should uh, attend an HBCU. And shout out to Hampton, too, for exposing uh, me to uh, groups and organizations such as BEA and Women of Color and Nesby. Those, those have played such an influential role in my life, in my career, you know, providing opportunities for me to network with companies. So I just want to take a moment and um, I don't, not to say that non-HBCUs would have provided that opportunity, but it was definitely strongly 
encouraged and reinforced, um, particularly at Hampton. Also, I think it's that support, uh, family uh, structure, uh, family feeling, right? Um, I was a part of several organizations, particularly in the engineering, because we were such a small type of group, we looked out for each other. Um, we would get into the the computer lab or you know um, library and we we would have study groups that have pictures that it's it's funny to look back on now getting making sure that we each um you know to the best of our ability got through that final got through that class like we're, we're gonna make it you know whether we graduate on time or we have to you know wait a year we're, we're going to finish and complete what we started um so that really uh was impactful to me um i did get go on to Cornell and definitely, like I said, a light night and day type of difference. Now it was a master's program and it had a cohort, but um, just that that feeling was not the same. You kind of had to have that internal type of push. Um, so I, I think that's why I really enjoyed my time at Hampton and particularly um, the engineering department for sure. That's wonderful. You know, uh, it's really important to hear you you kind of like not necessarily compare the two but sort of put the two experiences you had at two different institutions together and here in one institution the institution almost becomes personal in the sense that these are huge schools with hundreds of fat you know hundreds of people and thousands of people on campus you have staff you have faculty and what have you but you still are able to feel important as an individual so that's really important, uh, something that HBCUs as institutions are able to communicate. So, hey, you know, big shout out to them for that. Um, as a career coach, um, of course, you're, you're a professional engineer. You work for one of the largest companies in the United States, defense contractors, but you're also a career coach. And uh, what advice would you give listeners now to how to navigate a career fair, people who are trying to shape their careers, they're moving from high school to college, uh, or they're moving through college, they're going from freshman to sophomore to junior. What, what advice would you give to them? This is a great question, so thank you. So there would be two things I would share. And the first is, it's never too early. One common statement that I get when I interact with college students is, didn't apply for this internship because I'm only a sophomore or I'm a freshman. And my response to them is many companies, including Lockheed Martin, are taking on high school students. And I know for sure you got at least a semester or two uh, in comparison to, to them. So definitely don't let that hold you back. Now, obviously, there are, you know, companies do outweigh, but I, I've seen uh, and read more and more do, do take into account some of those, you know, earlier uh, collegiate students and even high school students. So definitely do not sell yourself short just because either you've been told, uh, that may have been the case 10 years ago, <laughs> um, but it's definitely the way we look and do uh, do things now, especially this pandemic has brought upon how we just view the world and technology differently. There are high school students, my younger brother included, who was coding and stuff in high school. And I didn't really code until I got to college. So you, you get what I'm saying? So I, I tell people to, you know, not to sell themselves short, to go after. I, 
I interacted with a freshman from North Carolina A&T uh, who had an internship and he actually was working on his his next summer internship alignment. And I was like, you just better go ahead. So um, it's definitely possible. So that's the first thing that I would share. And the second I would share is, you know, once you apply, once you get invited to an interview and even on the career fair floor to keep in mind of what makes you stand out right? A lot of folks have the same type of courses. So, you know, in, in case of engineering, you know, you're taking the electrical engineering, you're taking the calculus, you're taking differential equations. That's all fine and dandy. But what makes you, you from a technical standpoint, but also from who you are as a person that at the end of the day, when people go back, whether it's the recruiters or the managers or, or, um, those on the career fair floor that can be like, this is what made Carissa stand out. Um, this is what made Brandon or, or Dr. Vaughn or, you know, and I want to follow up with that person. So I would say, you know, work on kind of like your why and how can you stand out amongst, you know, sometimes hundreds of people during these career fairs and even during your interview is, okay, yes, uh, we all have that same level playing field, but this is why I'm unique. I, I bring this uh, spin, whether it be to a technology standpoint, I'm creative, I'm inventive, or, you know, I'm motivating, you know, I, I'm, I'm charismatic and, you know, I have a really good thing with people. And how do you share that and convey that in a short time frame on the career fair floor or um, developing your stories during your interview, I think is definitely important in a way for people to remember you outside of just, you know, the, the basic qualifications. Thank you for that. I mean, I like the emphasis you, you made on what makes people stand out and then you work on the why. And you also mentioned something that is very important uh, for everyone now, and it's the way we balance the post-pandemic world, where a lot of things that used to, every, nearly everything used to be done in real time, in real life, and now you have, it's okay to do some things virtually, it's okay to do some things online. It's okay for some things to be all digital. So what advice would you give? What tips for success would you give for people who are not just taking part in virtual online career fairs, but online internships as well? What advice would you have for them? You bring up a great point and a common question that I'm getting more frequently, I would say. So as far as embracing uh, career fairs, one thing that I, I share often is to follow up. If you engage or interact with someone, LinkedIn has been, at least I've been more prone to be active on LinkedIn for the last couple of years. Um, most people are willing to help either share their experience or to answer a question genuinely right um authentic <laughs> um and so there's been folks who you know don't even work for Lockheed martin or have an intern but they've made it a point to hey carissa how's it going here's what's going on in my life how's your life you know i hope you're well um so building that network because i always say that you never know where people are going to be so that has been something that i've stressed especially again, in this virtual environment, how can you kind of build your network? And so I say, you know, definitely follow up um, and LinkedIn being one of those resources or if someone gives you an email that you can reach out to them, that could be, you know, a way as well. The other point is, as far as virtual internships, is to fully embrace and commit to it. 
I know it's concerning or I can understand it's that it's concerning, um, you know, not being able to see your team and um, fully integrating into the company for those 10 to 12 weeks, however long you're there, but making sure that you're pushing yourself in. If nobody's inviting you, make sure that you're embracing it and pushing yourself in, whether that's reaching out to, you know, the manager and saying, hey, can you connect me to such and such group? Um, you know, can we have a 30 minute lunch tag up? Or, you know, is there a mentor that I can be uh, plugged in? Here's kind of where I'm thinking. A lot of times, a lot of companies and Lockheed included have, you know, internship programs um, and activities. Make sure you attend. I know we're Zoomed fatigue and all of that, but that's a way to get plugged in and to stay plugged in and to uh, network with folks. So definitely push your way forward. Don't get exhausted. Don't get tired. Don't complain as you know, I, I've been there, trust me. But if that's shown, that definitely makes a difference when you embrace the, the new normal, if you will. Thank you, Carissa. And this is my last question before I turn it back to Dr. Vaughn. And you mentioned something that a mentor shared with you in your career. What would you say is the best advice you've ever received, uh, best ever advice you've received from a mentor? What would that be? Ooh, that is a great question because I've had some really great mentors over the course of my career, my brief career. And so I would say the, oh, I'm struggling through. I, I would say a piece of advice that I follow is to be open. Um, I talked to, briefly about that uh, earlier and to be liquid. When you come into a job, you don't really know what you want to do. You you have an idea, but you you at least I did came in like this is my my ladder that I'm going to follow my trajectory. None of that has been. <laughs> Not, none of it has been what I thought. It's been better. And I think sometimes people can be rigid in that. And case in point, before I got this role, I was like that. Like, oh, I didn't have, you know, whatever type of experience for this role. I needed to obtain this, you know, that and the third. But being liquid, trusting my mentors, trusting those that was my advocates, that type of thing, I think, really helped prepare me for the position that I am in now. Um, so being fluid and flexible, you know, I think there's a statistic that women feel like they have to have all the pieces together before they go and apply to a position. Um, so fighting that urge has allowed me to take on uh, some of these opportunities that I probably wouldn't have taken on had I been caught up in my own head and making sure I checked off every box. So. But yeah, I, I have a lot of nuggets that I've earned, but that's just one that immediately came to my mind. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. Be open, be fluid, be flexible, trust, trust your mentors, trust your advocates. And of course, I trust my co-host, Dr. Vaughn. So I'm throwing it back to him right now. Thank you. Thank you. I like that, Lango. Thank you so much. And I've just been enjoying listening in on this segment. And I'm serious. We could go on. And I, I say this with like every guest. We could go on for another hour. Uh, but Brandon and uh, Ray will give us the, the hook if we try that. So I just have uh, one quick 
clarification, and then I want to find out if you would let us know how we can stay in touch. Folks want to learn more about your uh, vlog. Uh, so you heard Carissa say very passionately that she is going to encourage her son to go to an HBCU. Just want to let you know uh, that her son is not a high schooler. He's not a middle schooler. Her son is four. Okay, uh, and so uh, so that's how serious she is about this thing, and uh, I'm with her. Uh, she mentioned Nesby. I went to uh, Nesby conference uh, that she and her husband were not at, and I found and 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 her son was one at the time, <clears throat> and I got him a, a a little onesie that says future HBCU engineer. So uh, he he he's not going to have much of a choice. Let's put it that way, <laughs> because that's all he's going to know. Uh, but I, I really, I really, that's, that's how you know somebody's got the passion, is they're already talking about influencing the next generation. So uh, before we wrap up, want to make sure that we let folks know how they can connect with you online, uh, your, your blog site, your Facebook, all of that. What, can you tell us how to connect with you? Yeah, so I can be found on LinkedIn at Carissa Diggs. Um, I also have a LinkedIn Dig Your Career page. So that's D-I-G-G, -G, your career. I can be found on Instagram at digkz, that's one word. Um, and I also have a website called digyourcareer.com. So I can be found on any of those platforms. Yeah. Thank you. Very cool. And of course, if somebody's interested to know about the ELDP and Lockheed Martin, uh, they can go to Lockheed Martin's website and learn more and find you there as well. So really quickly, uh, Lango mentioned that we are recording this broadcast episode on International Women's Day. And we know that it is Women's History Month or Women's Her Story Month all month long. Uh, so you've already given us that insight that you received uh, that you would share with others about this has been the piece of advice that has stood out for you. Let me ask you, and this is that last curveball that I was mentioning, is there a woman in history who would be the one that has inspired you in a meaningful way on your journey? You know, I'm gonna get emotional. And it may sound cliche, but I'm gonna say my mother, Jeanette Vaughn, through her leadership journey, uh, not in STEM, but through her journey and watching how she has handled leadership with grace when not everything was how it should have gone, how she's handled that has impacted me in a way that I don't think she realizes. And I strive to emulate that grace and also how to speak up and stand for up for myself when needed, to see the best in others, even when they may not give you the benefit of the, the doubt, right? And then to also partner and bring alongside other women right to to make sure that they feel seen to make sure that they are brought to the table to to share opportunities that i might have and in her case she might have been shut out from so just seeing how she has not let some of the things that have happened to her and her journey um and how she's i wouldn't say reverse it but made sure that didn't happen to other women have been really impactful to me something that I strive to emulate. So I would say my, my mother has been an influential woman in my life. 
that was amazing. And I'll, I'll uh, find a tissue uh, in a moment as well. Carissa Diggs, it's been wonderful having this opportunity to connect with you. Uh, like I said, there's so much more to dig your career than we have time to dig into right now. We're excited that you stopped by. Uh, so for Lango Dean and the others of us here at High Tech Sunday, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'm gonna turn it back over to Brandon Newby to see us out. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of High Tech Sunday. Career Communication Group's High Tech Sunday looks at professional development and technology through the lens of spiritual philosophies. In a time when digital information is more critical than ever, this weekly program is produced by and for CCG's community of alumni and professionals in science, technology, engineering, and math fields. The community runs from national thought leaders to aspiring students, and this weekly series aims to bring a concentrated discussion around technological advancements and achievements based on universal moral principles. The one-hour podcast will be streamed every Sunday. The podcast can be accessed through the Bay of Facebook page, Women of Color Facebook page, and CCG YouTube page, in addition to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and Spotify. Please join us next time.